0: Hello, my noble, excellent, and illustrious listeners. This is the first of our episodes drawn from fiction. It's based on La Señora Cornelia, a story from the collection Novelas Ejemplares by Cervantes. Sorry it's taken me so long to put together. It was a bit different approach from what I'm used to, but I really enjoyed doing it, and I hope you will enjoy listening to what I came up with. Hello, and welcome to Rare Adventures, Journeys Through Early Modern Europe and Beyond, Episode 5, HATMAN. Don Juan de Gamboa hadn't been doing badly at Salamanca, but he was missing something. He had the privilege of studying at one of the finest universities in Europe and he had there the company of a childhood friend, Don Antonio de Asunza. His family supported him, provided for him, were arranging a marriage for him, and, once he graduated, would doubtless use their connections to get him a respectable position in the vast Spanish government. Probably something secretarial, followed by a military commission, then, maybe, a governorship. In time, perhaps, he would be a minister or a viceroy, he would travel the world in the service of El Rey Planeta, the global king, then back to their old castle in Biscaya, bringing honor, wealth, and grandchildren to the family. This was the path of a Spanish knight in this new age of world-spanning empire. Privilege and prestige were laid out before him, but there was something missing, choice. He craved doing something which was solely his choice, even if it meant choosing to do something mad Okay, not quite as mad as having a barney with a windmill, but perhaps some of the same spirit. Juan, his friend Antonio, and their pages, decided they would bunk off school, join up with the army, and head to the Netherlands to get a head start on that honour and wealth. Studies and grandchildren could wait. The Netherlands had been formerly part of Spain, but had been in open revolt since 1566. By now, in 1609, the Dutch had established what was, for all intents and purposes, its own independent state, but the war would rage on until 1648, hence its name, the Eighty Years' War. One reason the Spanish had so much trouble in the Netherlands was the simple matter of getting there. European geopolitics at this time was a web of shifting conflicts and alliances, but the one constant was that the French really hated the Spanish. Passage through France was impossible, while sailing directly risked ending up like the Armada. So, instead, they followed what came to be called the Spanish Road. This wasn't a literal road. It meant taking a boat from Valencia to Genoa, mustering at Milan, marching over the Alps, traveling by barges up the Rhine, then regrouping in Antwerp before being sent to the front lines. Keeping this up for 80 years was a tall order, especially with the French eyeing up the Spanish holdings in Burgundy and the north of Italy. Anyway, this is what Juan, Antonio and their pages did only to find that negotiations for a ceasefire were underway. Strictly speaking, it's the 82-year war with a 12-year break at half-time. This was all well and good, except there wasn't much opportunity for Juan and Antonio winning glory and honour, just a load of demobilised soldiers, wondering when, and indeed if, they were going to get their pay. Besides, each of them had received angry letters from mum and dad about their sense of responsibility, so the two began to head back to Spain. At least they began to. They got as far as Milan, then decided to go on a road trip around the north of Italy. And that's how the two pals ended up in Bologna. This was the site of the oldest university in Europe. In 1364, a Spanish cardinal had established the College of St. Clement here, specifically for Spanish students. And Juan and Antonio figured they'd be happier finishing their studies here. So, two years on from leaving Spain, they were settled in Bologna, back to studying and sharing an apartment together. Their parents were happy they were at school again and they didn't have to face the awkwardness of explaining their absence to their former tutors in Salamanca. One evening, Juan was getting ready to go out. In early modern Italy, this meant looking good, but it also meant being well armed. The streets were a dangerous place, especially if you were going to swan around looking flashy. In Juan's case, he went for a classic, the sword and buckler. A buckler is a small shield, not much bigger than your hand. Its main use is deflecting blows, but if you want to show someone you mean business, you can draw your sword and whack it off the buckler or swash it, if you will, before squaring up to them. Hence the term swashbuckler. Given the risks of going out at night before street lighting had been introduced, the two friends had originally agreed they wouldn't do so unless they were together. But this night, Antonio was wanting to stay in for a bit. So off went Juan, hoping he might meet some friends of his, but he found the streets dark and almost empty, He wandered for a bit, but without Antonio to talk to, he was getting bored. Danger was one thing, but boredom, nah. He was about to head back when he heard a, Psst! Over here! He turned to see a door open ajar, dim light from within silhouetting the figure who leant through. Fabio, the voice said. Sorry, I, uh... Fabio? Are you Fabio? uh, Uh, yeah, sure, yes, I'm Fabio, said Juan, and then wondered why he did that. Okay. "'Here you go. Be back as soon as you can,' the voice said, and a thing was shoved into Juan's arms. "'Oh, I- actually, I—' But the door was shut before he could explain himself. "'Got to stop saying yes to things someday,' Juan said to himself, and looked at the thing he had been given. It was soft and wrapped in fine cloth. It was only when it started crying that he realised he'd been given somebody's baby.' Hey, Juan said to his landlady a few minutes later. Not sure how to explain, but I've got this baby. No idea whose it is. Uh, Is Antonio still in? The landlady took this fairly well in her stride and told him that Antonio had just gone out looking for him. Ah, damn it, said Juan. Hey, uh, could you look after this baby for me? I'll go find Antonio and see if we can figure out what's going on. Sure, said the landlady, only uh, these are some pretty fancy baby clothes. You might have got yourself involved in something big here, if you know what I mean. It was true. Rich abandoned babies could mean rich, angry granddads, with plenty of swashbuckling goons on their payroll. So they agreed that the landlady would dress the baby in something less flashy and go to find a nurse to look after it. Juan, meanwhile, went back to the place where he'd been given it or him, I should say, since by this point they'd realised it was a boy. "'Got to stop saying yes to things! Got to stop saying yes to things!' Juan said to himself as he walked along. "'Got to—' Ooh, fight!' Shouts and striking steel echoed down the street, and through the darkness Juan could see sparks flying where blade struck blade. As he approached, he made out what seemed to be a solitary figure fending off half a dozen assailants. Whoever it was, Six against one just wasn't cool. Juan drew his sword, gave his buckler a good swash, and rushed into the lone man's defense. But as he whirled sword and buckler, he caught sight of his newfound comrade taking two thrusts to the chest and falling to the ground. Now Juan was getting really mad. He laid into his opponents with even more energy than before. His chances weren't great, but he held out long enough for lights to appear at the windows and the local residents to call for the guards to break up the fight. These are the days before policing per se, and when, if, and how many guards would appear was anyone's guess, but Juan's opponents weren't taking any chances. They backed off, then dashed away into the night. Juan sheathed his sword and rushed over to the fallen man. To Juan's relief, he turned out to still be breathing. Under his jacket was a plastron, a kind of padded vest worn by fencers. Not exactly armor, but it could be the difference between a light wound and a fatal one. Juan ran his hand through his hair as he sighed with relief. Wait, through his hair? Juan patted himself on the head just to make sure. It was true. He had lost his hat. The fallen man rose to his feet and asked to whom he owed his life. Uh, one second, said Juan, picking up what he thought was his hat. It wasn't. Damn it. Oh well. He put whatever hat this was on his head, and, ooh, it fitted. It would do till he found his actual hat. Sorry, what was that, said Juan? The man repeated his question, and Juan introduced himself. To which the man replied that he hoped Juan wouldn't be offended, but he would have to keep his own identity a secret. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, Have you seen my hat? At this point, a group of men appeared at the other end of the street, and Juan's hand went back to his sword. Don't worry, said the mysterious man, they're with me. Now, for reasons I cannot divulge, we need to be left here alone. Juan suddenly realized that this man was also missing a hat. Don't you worry. Uh, Before I go, though, do you want this hat? I cannot take your hat. Oh, it's not mine, I just found it lying around. Then you should keep it as a trophy, the mysterious man said with a wink. Ooh, said Juan, trophy hat. I like it. Well, uh, good luck with all the secret stuff. As Juan walked back to his apartment, he realised he hadn't actually checked the door he'd been to before. Well, the door wasn't going anywhere. It could wait. He'd got a baby. He'd got a trophy hat. It was quite a night. Hey, Juan! He looked over his shoulder to see Antonio coming towards him. The maddest thing just happened. I've got to tell you about it. ''Okay, well, actually, I've had a bit of an odd one, too, but you go first. ''Well,'' said Antonio. ''Oh, nice hat, by the way. Uh, So I went out to meet you, but then this beautiful lady runs up to me, and I'm like, ''Oh, lady?'' And she's like, ''I'm going to die.'' And I'm like, ''Whoa.'' And she's like, ''No, I meant metaphorically.'' And I'm like, ''Oh, okay.'' And she's like, ''Are you a Spanish knight?'' And I'm like, ''Yeah.'' And she's like, ''Great, Spanish knights are the best.'' ''Huh.'' "'Funny how people here are so keen on Spanish knights,' said Juan. "'Anyway, carry on.' "'So then she asked me to hide her, and then to come here, "'and if there are any fights, I should break them up. "'So basically there's this lady hiding in our flat. "'You seen any fights?' "'Well,' said Juan, flexing, "'I was actually just in one. It was pretty good. "'I fought, like, six bad guys, got a trophy hat.' Oh, and I uh, told someone my name was Fabio, and they gave me a baby. Don't know what that was about, but there's a baby in a flat now, too. Huh. Weird. Well, I suppose we should probably go check on them. As they approached their home, their pages came out carrying torches for them. Whoa, said Antonio. What? Your hat? My trophy hat? It's got, like, diamonds on it or something. Seriously? Oh, this hat just gets better. It's like a 2000 ducat hat. I mean, it looks great, but I'm worried you might have gotten mixed up with some pretty important people. Hmm, yes. It was a fancy-looking baby I found as well. Once they were inside, Antonio went to check on the lady. When he opened the door to her room and she saw Juan out in the hall, she shouted, Alfonso, what is it? Why are you just standing there? Oh, uh, hello, said Juan, stepping in. Sorry, you must have me confused with someone else. I'm Fabio. I'm sorry, I mean, I'm Juan. Yes, Juan de Gamboa. She could barely restrain her tears. Why are you wearing the Duke of Ferrara's hat? Uh, Am I? Uh, I I don't know. I I just found it lying around. At this, she really did start crying, all the while monologuing about what might have befallen her beloved Duke, that he would lose his precious hat. Then something clicked in Juan's head. He remembered the way the man he had defended had winked at him. It was his hat. That was why he'd insisted Juan should have it. He was thanking him by giving him a trophy hat. So Juan explained what had happened, and that the Duke of Ferrara, whose name turned out to be Alfonso d'Este, was alive and not too badly stabbed. Well then, the lady said, I should probably tell you what's going on. But at that point, the landlady came in with a crying baby. "'Uh, what's this?' the lady said. Uh, "'Just some baby I got given,' said Juan. "'Don't worry about it. You were saying—' "'Can I—' "'Can I hold it?' the lady asked. "'She took the baby, and sitting down, tried to nurse it, "'saying to herself, "'What I can't give to my own, perhaps I can give to another.' "'But when her milk wouldn't flow, she handed him back to the landlady, "'instructing her to spread honey on his lips until they could find a nurse.' ''My name,'' the lady said, ''is Cornelia Bentivoglio. My parents passed away when I was little, and my brother Lorenzo became head of the family. ''He's okay, but he says I'm too attractive to be seen by anyone, so he's kept me locked up in the house my entire life.'' ''Huh,'' said Juan, ''weird. Even by 1611 standards, that's a bit much.'' He did let me go out to my cousin's wedding, since I was one of the sponsors for it, and that's where I met Alfonso, the Duke. Of course, we couldn't make it public or Lorenzo would lose his mind, so he had to sneak into my house in secret, and that's how I got pregnant. Right, said Juan, I think I get a sense of what this Lorenzo character is like. Still not sure what to make of Alfonso, but go on. Alfonso was going to come and take me to Ferrara, where we'd be married publicly. But the day we were supposed to meet, I heard my brother crashing around with his goons, you know, all swashing bucklers and saying they were going to kill the Duke of Ferrara. Oh. And then my waters broke. Oh. So I gave birth to a son, but my servant said she'd give him to the Duke's servant, and she went off with my son, and I just kind of lost it. I ran out to see if I could find anyone, but there was no one there. And so I just kept going, and that's where I met you." As Antonio assured her that they'd do everything they could to help, Juan went to the landlady and said to bring Cornelia a light. And he suggested, just to check, that she bring the baby, dressed in his original clothes. Sure enough, he soon heard Cornelia gasp and shout, "'I made those clothes! Where did you get them?' Juan popped his head round the door. With the baby. I uh, think it's your baby. I know, I know, could have just said that, but you know, drama. Okay, I'll let you get on with lady things. Good night. The next day, on his way to class, Juan swung by the street where he and Alfonso had fought Lorenzo's goons. He stopped by some locals with a, Hey, how's things been in the neighbourhood? Anything been happening? Nah. Not much going on. Nice hat, by the way. Oh, this old thing—it's oh, just—it's just something I threw on. Anyway, no, no news, no drama, no fights or anything. Uh, I heard there was some sort of bust-up last night. No idea what it was about, though. Juan asked around, but no one seemed to know the cause of the disturbance. Feeling reasonably satisfied, Juan went to his lectures, then back to the apartment. He was just saying to cornelia that he was pretty sure they were in the clear when one of the pages came in saying that there was a guy called lorenzo bentivoglio out in the street wanting to speak to him he's found us said cornelia don't worry said antonio loading his pistols pages get your swords juan drew his sword swashed his buckler and said right lads let's get him whoa there said cornelia he's still my brother and it would be great if you could all stay alive "Oh," said Juan, sheathing his sword. "Yeah, of course. I'll just uh go see what he wants." He went down to the street where he found a well-dressed man with two servants. He stepped forward. "Are you Don Juan de Gamboa?" "I am." "Then I have a favor to ask." "Go on." "Well, oh, nice hat by the way. This old thing? Oh, it's just something I threw on. Anyway, a, a favor?" The man bid Juan to follow him into a nearby church. Once inside, they sat together at the back, and the man introduced himself as Lorenzo Bentivoglio. They were in a place of peace, and Juan felt at least that his life wasn't in immediate danger. So, he said, what can I do for you? Well, said Lorenzo, I've got this sister, Cornelia, and she's really attractive, so I keep her locked up. "'Oh, okay, you're just going to say it. "'Somehow that makes it weirder. "'But she's run off with Alfonso Deste, Duca di de Ferrara. "'I tried to have him assassinated last night, "'but then oh, some guy showed up and got in the way, "'and then the guards were called, and, you know, it's this whole thing. "'But anyway, we're going to Ferrara tomorrow to sort him out. "'You in?' "'Um, why me?' "'You're a Spanish knight. "'Everyone wants a Spanish knight on their team.' "'Hmm,' said Juan.' People here really do have a high opinion of Spanish knights, turns to the camera. It's almost as if this story was written by one. I'd ask someone in the family, said Lorenzo, but they'll just be like, blah, blah, blah. What's so wrong with Alfonso? And why are you locking up your sister anyway? They just don't get it sometimes. Anyway, are you coming? Sure, said Juan. Meet you down here tomorrow morning, then? First light. As you like. Um... "'Do you mind if I let my flatmate know?' Lorenzo nodded in assent, and Juan went back to Antonio and Cornelia. "'So,' said Cornelia, "'how did that go?' "'Well,' said Juan, "'he kind of gave me a job. "'He wants me to be the muscle when he goes to confront Alfonso, "'but I figured I could try to sort something out "'so that they, you know, don't kill each other.' "'Want me to come too?' asked Antonio. "'Yeah, might look weird,' said Juan." Plus, one of us should stay with Cornelia. I'll be fine, she said, and I'd feel better knowing you were both looking after each other. Not to cause suspicion, though, they agreed that Antonio would disguise himself and follow Juan and Lorenzo at a distance. Then Cornelia offered them two relics she had with her, a diamond crucifix and a golden agnus dei. The agnus dei, by the way, is the symbol of the Lamb of God, usually a sheep carrying a flag. It's a pretty cute piece of iconography. As Spanish knights are wont to do, however, Juan and Antonio were already carrying a whole load of holy relics, just like Paco did in the last episode, and they politely refused the offer. The next day, Juan wrapped a black band around the diamonds on his trophy hat. But, wanting to keep it special, he stuck some yellow and black plumes in it. I love you, trophy hat, he said to his hat as he stepped out to meet Lorenzo. They mounted on the horses he'd brought and rode off. Minutes later, Antonio, dressed as a servant, presumably in leather rather than velvet and with his sword concealed, came out, hired a pony, and set off on the road to Ferrara. Meanwhile, the landlady went to check on Cornelia, who told her about the plan. "'So,' she said, "'since Juan's good with Alfonso, and now he's good with Lorenzo, he can sort things out, and if it goes south, Antonio's there to help, "'so it's all going to be fine.' "'Are you joking?' said the landlady. "'Uh, what?' "'So, your nut job of a brother shows up, out of the blue, To tell the two guys guarding you that he needs to take them away to a whole other city just because they're Spanish? I mean, I love a Spanish knight just as much as everyone else in this story, but does that not seem odd to you? It's a weird coincidence, but so is everything else that's happened so far? It sounds like he's figured out you're here. He's lured away your guards, and soon he'll be back to get you, probably leaving Juan and Antonio dead in a ditch on the way. Cornelia began to panic. That would be typical Lorenzo behaviour, after all. So, what do we do? Here's what I think, said the landlady. I used to be the servant of a priest who lives in a village just outside Ferrara. He was always a good employer. I'm sure he'd agree to look after you. No one would know, and it would be a lot less weird than you staying with these two young men. I mean, I know they seem very nice, but men are men even Spanish knights, even the ones from Biscaya, if they really are from Biscaya, that is. I mean, they might be from Galicia, or anywhere else, for all I know. She went on like that for a while, making some pertinent points, but mostly echoing the author's prejudice against Galicians, which is a bit too awkward for me to narrate, but it was enough to convince Cornelia that they should leave. So, with child and nurse in tow, they snuck past the pages and out to the street, where they hired a carriage. Now, part of Juan and Lorenzo's plan had been to take the byways to Ferrara and stay off the main thoroughfares, so Cornelia, not wanting to risk bumping into them, took the highway. Meanwhile, as Juan and Lorenzo approached Ferrara, they met a traveller coming from there. They stopped to chat and, in a nonchalant sort of way, asked if maybe there was any news of the duke. The traveller replied that he didn't know, since the Duke still hadn't returned from Bologna. Juan and Lorenzo sighed and turned their horses around, this time riding along the highway, since they figured it was the most likely route for the Duke and his entourage. Sure enough, they soon saw a troop of horsemen in the Duke's livery, riding their way. They halted, and the horsemen halted. ''Okay,'' said Juan, ''let's not do anything crazy. You head out of sight and I'll assess the situation.'' Lorenzo shrugged and turned his horse off the road. As Juan rode forward, a carriage rattled past the horseman in the direction of Ferrara. Juan untied the band from his trophy hat to reveal the diamond. As the carriage passed, he saw its passengers were all veiled women. One of them was staring right at him. ''Oh yeah,'' he thought. "'The ladies are checking out my trophy hat.' Up ahead, the horsemen were also checking him out. "Signore," said one to his master, the Duca di Ferrara, "'that bloke over there is wearing your hat.' "'Ah, don't worry,' said Alfonso. "'That'll be Juan. "'He's great. "'He's a Spanish knight. "'Like what he's done with the hat, too. "'Great plumes.' Alfonso spurred his horse forward, "'while Juan dismounted and ran to kiss his feet.' The duke, though, leapt from his saddle before he could reach him, and swept Juan into a big hug. "'Juan, you look great! Thanks, and thanks for the hat!' Lorenzo, who had in fact slipped off the road only to advance further, and was watching all of this, only saw what appeared to be his mortal enemy getting his latest henchman some sort of intense grapple. He drew his sword and spurred his horse into a charge. "'Whoa there!' said Juan, still hugging Alfonso. It's fine, Lorenzo. In fact, could you give us a moment? He led Alfonso away from the road. So, to cut a long story short, that was Lorenzo Bentivoglio. You know, the guy whose sister you got pregnant? He's trying to kill you. I'm going to try to talk him out of it. but you've got to tell me. Are you messing Cornelio around? I'm not going to go mad at you, and I am really grateful for the hat, but you have to be honest with me. You have to be honest with me so I can make things okay for her Alfonso sighed I'm glad you said that and believe me I am serious about her I was going to run off with her but then there was that fight and I waited for her but she didn't show and Alfonso, Juan said this is my point if Cornelia and the baby suddenly showed up now would you acknowledge them as your wife and legitimate child ''Of course I would,'' said Alfonso. ''I mean, come on. This is 1611. If you have a kid with someone, you are de facto married to them. Weddings are actually only for spiritual purposes and the provision of legal witnesses. Of course, without legal witnesses, I could deny it was my child and say we weren't married, which would be all the more slime-drippingly awful because being a man I'd probably get away with it.'' But, if we do both publicly recognise the marriage, then we are immutably married, regardless of church ceremonies. Still, it would be very controversial if we didn't publicly declare our marriage with a church ceremony, especially being members of the aristocracy. Hence why I wanted to take Cornelia to Ferrara to fulfil that, though we are already legally married and will be whatever happens. Is this enough exposition for our listeners? Thanks, said Juan. That probably needed explaining, and it helps elucidate how concepts of marriage and sexuality fluctuate throughout history. But, more to the point, you've shown me you're serious about Cornelia. Uh, the awkward bit, though, said Alfonso. is my mum. Oh no, said Juan. Yeah, mum's been trying to hook me up with Livia, the daughter of the Duca de Mantova. I just don't know how to break it to her that I'm already married. But... She's getting on a bit, so I was just going to wait till she died before going public with the marriage. Ooh, that was cold. Yeah, it's an aristocrat thing. Anyway, when I heard Cornelia was in labour, I sent my servant Fabio to go get the baby. Oh, so that's who Fabio is. What, what, what was that? Oh, Nothing. Anyway, Fabio gets told that someone's already taken the baby, so I go over myself, but I get jumped by Lorenzo's goons, then you show up, and now here we are, and I've no idea where my wife and son are. Well, said Juan, you tried to do the right thing. Just be honest and explain all that to Lorenzo. At this, Juan gestured to Lorenzo to join them. He dismounted and approached cautiously, only to have Alfonso throw his arms around him and call him his brother. He was about to ask what was with all the hugging, but Alfonso was already telling him the whole story. All right, all right, said Lorenzo, I believe you. But uh, one key point, where the heck is my sister? At this point, Antonio rode up. Antonio, said Juan, do you want to tell them? Tell them what? Where Cornelio and her son are? Oh, I get to do the big reveal. Yeah, they've been hiding at ours the whole time. The now brothers-in-law stood wide-eyed a moment, and then began to laugh, and the four of them mounted their horses and rode back towards Bologna. Juan led Alfonso and Lorenzo up to his apartment. Antonio had galloped ahead of them to let Cornelia know in advance what had happened, figuring that her lover and brother bursting in at the same time might just freak her out. But when Juan opened the door, all he saw was Antonio sitting at their table, with his hands over his face, yelling at himself. Is everything okay? asked Juan. Cornelia's gone! What? Where's the landlady? Gone as well! Alfonso and Lorenzo stared with suspicion and confusion, while Juan cringed with worry and embarrassment. But at that point, Antonio's page entered and looked around nervously. Uh, masters? Juan and Antonio took him aside and asked what was going on. "'You're looking for Cornelia?' "'Yes. Do you know where she is?' "'Oh, yeah, she's in Santisteban's room.' Juan took a moment to process it. Santisteban was his page. Cornelia had her own room. If she was in Santisteban's, then did that mean...? Antonio was already up the stairs in the servants' quarters, where he could be heard shouting Cornelia's name, and not long after lambasting Santisteban and telling him to open his room.' Juan looked to Alfonso and Lorenzo. So, is Cornelia here? Yeah, she's upstairs, said Juan's page. He'd never liked Santistaban, and Juan got the sense he'd do anything to get him in trouble. This is bad, thought Juan. Alfonso was dashing up the stairs as he heard the sound of a door opening, and Antonio again calling Cornelia's name. Lorenzo and Juan went after him, "'Lorenzo pushing past all the others and approaching the bed "'where a figure lay completely covered by the sheets. "'Cornelia,' he said. "'Go away,' the figure said. "'Lorenzo yanked back the covers to reveal, well, not his sister. "'You're not Cornelia.' "'Yes, I am. I mean, you're not my sister.' "'No,' the woman said. "'Cornelia's actually a pretty common name. "'Seriously, can you all leave now?' Oh, this is all kinds of awkward, Juan said. Pages, you're fired. Juan and Antonio now had a lot of explaining to do. But it was clear to the brothers-in-law that they had just been trying to do their best. They were back to square one, but at least they were all on the same side. Lorenzo invited Alfonso back to his place and bid the two Biscayans to call on them the next day. Sad, exhausted, and pageless, Juan went to bed. Well, he thought as he lay down, I still have such a good hat. The next day, the two friends went to the Bentivoglio Palace, where they were brought before Lorenzo. He said that Alfonso had left for Ferrara, and that they'd agreed it would be best. If each of them looked for Cornelia secretly, they had enough informants of their own, and letting the news go public would just cause scandal. So the three sat down to discuss where they would begin their investigation. Alfonso, meanwhile, had dropped in on his childhood tutor, an old priest who lived in a village just outside Ferrara. The two had become good friends as Alfonso had grown up, and he'd always drop by whenever he went travelling or on a hunt. Today, he sat gloomily as the priest arranged lunch with his servants. "'Is everything okay?' the priest asked when he returned. "'No,' said Alfonso. "'Do you want to talk about it?' Uh, "'I would, but I really can't tell anyone the details right now.' "'Would some relics cheer you up?' "Uh, "'Sure, why not?' The priest disappeared for a while, then returned." holding a baby. Alfonso looked up, confused. Was this guy losing his mind? That's a baby. Yes, said the priest. But it's a baby with relics on it. Want to come take a look? Alfonso sighed and got up. He walked over and made coochie sounds at the baby. And then he noticed the diamond cross and golden Agnes Day pinned to the baby clothes. Oh, okay. Nice baby relics. Then he remembered. He'd seen these before. He looked up at the priest. You want to see who's nursing that baby, the priest said. A door opened. Alfonso turned, and there was Cornelia. Back in Bologna, the others were still getting nowhere when a servant of the Duke of Ferrara was announced. The man entered and introduced himself as Fabio. Ah, thought Juan, so that's Fabio. I think I'd make a better Fabio. Shall I just start calling myself Fabio? The man told them that his master required their presence as soon as possible, and in a few minutes they were back on the road, riding towards Ferrara. When they entered the priest's house, Alfonso was waiting for them. They eagerly asked him what news he had, but he raised his hand to silence them. My friends, he said, I have something to tell you. I was once in love with a girl from this village... "'but I left her when I met Cornelia. "'But since I came back here, "'I found out she'd had a child by me, "'so now I can only do the honourable thing and marry her.' "'Wait,' said Juan. "'What?' said Antonio. "'What about Cornelia?' said Lorenzo. "'We just have to accept that she's gone,' Alfonso replied. "'This is messed up,' said Juan. "'Lorenzo's hand went to his sword. "'Okay, back to plan A.' "'I'm going to kill him.' "'Wait!' said Alfonso. "'Just wait till you see her.' He stepped out of the room. Juan turned to Lorenzo. "'Yeah,' he said. "'Let's get him. "'I thought he was all right at first, "'giving me a trophy hat, but this is not okay.' "'I mean,' said Lorenzo, "'it is a great hat.' "'Such a good hat,' said Antonio. "'Suits you better than him.' "'Right,' said Lorenzo. "'Thanks, guys,' said Juan. "'All right, he's coming back.' "'They were ready to draw.' When Cornelia entered, they stood stunned for a moment, then slowly released their swords. Alfonso appeared behind her, holding the baby. "'Here's my peasant girl,' he said, with a big grin on his face. Cornelia laughed. "'You get it? She's the peasant girl I married!' Alfonso and Cornelia rocked with laughter. "'Ah, the looks on your face is amazing!' "'Ah, ha, ha, ha,' said Juan. "'Is this supposed to be funny?' ''I don't get it,'' said Antonio. ''I nearly killed him,'' said Lorenzo. ''It's a good thing we didn't bring any ranged weapons.'' ''Ha, ha, yeah, ha, yeah, you got us there.'' ''You see, when Alfonso came here,'' Cornelia said, ''the priest asked if he wanted to see some relics. ''Then he brought out our son wearing the relics.'' ''Aww, well, that's really sweet,'' said Juan. ''So we thought we'd play our own trick on you,'' said Alfonso.'' Ah, yeah, yeah, uh, this was just weird and awkward, though. Uh, With that out of the way, Alfonso and Cornelia formally presented their child to Lorenzo as his nephew and asked his permission for their marriage to be solemnized. For now, it would still be a secret, and the old priest performed the ceremony there in his house. Cornelia asked Juan to give her away at the altar, and the two kept up a correspondence with each other once Juan returned to Bologna and even after he and Antonio completed their studies and went home to Spain. Perhaps the choice they made hadn't been such a mad one. They'd done a good deed, made lifelong friends, and Juan had got himself a really, really great hat. you enjoyed that and i hope you'll join us next time for more life writing though exactly what i haven't decided yet all that remains to say is thanks to custer larue and the baltimore consort for providing the music to know more about them and early music in general head to baltimoreconsort.com. and my noble excellent and illustrious listeners see you next time